Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the RBR Recap, presented by Round by Round Boxing and RX Water. Welcome back to the RBR Recap, episode four. I'm Alex Burgos, joined by Gabe Brevis. How are you, Gabe? I'm doing well. I think you and I are both happy that boxing was in the UK last night. So it was done by around three or four Pacific time, which means you can enjoy your Saturday. And if you want, sleep in. Definitely. Yeah, that's always a plus. As an East Coast guy, uh, I'm usually going to bed at, at two, three in the morning, um, finishing up recaps and editing and all that good stuff. So I am very thankful for an early night last night. And uh, it was an interesting bout. It was a tale of two fights uh, between John Ryder and Daniel Jacobs. And what ended up happening was Ryder got the split decision nod over Daniel Jacobs. Ryder going into the fight was a slight underdog betting wise. And I think most people were curious to see what Daniel Jacobs was going to bring back now with his original trainer and father figure, uh, Andre Rozier. So you thought maybe, and he said it himself, that the old Daniel Jacobs was going to be back. And maybe that last uh, fight, you know, was not the best version of himself and that there's still a lot left in his career. He talked about things like wanting to be in the hall of fame and I'm um, still getting those big fights. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he took the loss and it really damages his ability now at 35 years old um, to still compete for those titles and things like that, because there's a lot going on in that division at 168 pounds per middleweight. But to recap a little bit of what happened in the fight, it was a split decision, like I said, 115-113 twice for John Ryder, and the same score, 115-113 for Daniel Jacobs. Uh, it was a WBA title eliminator, and that's for David Morrell's uh, WBA regular title as you all know, Canelo has the official uh, big boy title, uh, but the WBA is all over the place. So, Gabe, what were your thoughts of this fight? Once again, John Ryder was in a close fight. Danny Jacobs seemed to control the fight with his jab and his footwork, while, whereas Ryder seemed to win some, a lot of the later rounds um, by being aggressive, closing the distance against Danny Jacobs. And so a lot of people have been saying that John Ryder finally got on the positive side of a close decision. Um, he's been on the losing end of some very close fights uh, like Jack Arnfield in 2016, Rocky Fielding in 2017, and of course, Callum Smith most recently in 2019. I think that fans and commentators often make the mistake of imposing some sort of cosmic order into the sport of boxing and call this or that victory a result, a result of karma and say that Ryder deserved for a decision to uh, finally go his way. When in reality, these could all be a set of random events where no one outcome is more deserving than another outside of one's performance in a given domain, which in this case is one's performance inside the ring. Uh, boxing is, is subjective, however, and especially when you leave it in the hands of the judges, and each fight should be judged independently of past performances or politics or expectations regarding future potential fights. Uh, but you also have to consider the added element of being in the UK and uh, the fact that uh, John Ryder had been at super middleweight for a much longer time. And perhaps maybe in the United States, Jacobs would have gotten the nod in this fight. But, you know, it is pleasing to see a good guy like John Ryder finally get a decision uh, go in his favor. You can't help but feel good for a man who many consider to be one of boxing's good guys. So it's nice to see him get a lot of opportunities coming his way. I think the thing that sticks out here is you would assume, uh, and I guess we're just thinking in the past, but Daniel Jacobs should be favored 
Um, he this is the type of fight he should have won. But, you know, maybe that Daniel Jacobs is gone. We really have to see what's next for him. I mean, there are a ton of names out there, but it's, you know, aside from maybe someone wanting to add him to their resume because he's Daniel Jacobs, you now look at fights like against Jamal Charlo, um, even the aforementioned David Morrell, Demetrius Andrade, uh, Caleb Plant, all these guys, you wouldn't favor Daniel Jacobs. There are fighters for him to fight, even maybe a rematch with Gabe Rosado, um, Gabriel Rosado, sorry, the, the only Gabe we recognize is, is Gabe Rivas. Um, <laughs> but G- Gabriel Rosado was there ringside, and, and I want to pull something up that he said, um, kind of mentioning, you know, uh, what you were saying. He said he got robbed uh, in Jacobs. Jacobs now knows how I feel. I don't think he got robbed. I thought it was close, and I thought the scores were indicative of that. Um, Ryder did a good job, like I said, in the second half of the fight. And even looking at um, the punch stats, I mean, he outlanded Jacobs 135 to 123, according to CompuBox, and he outlanded him uh, in power punches, 121 to 94. So when you start doing that, you visibly buzz the guy, I think, which he didn't in round eight. Um, You start to, you know, kind of eke out those closer rounds and you start to think, okay, well, if he snuck maybe one of those early ones, you know, then by all means, uh, going after round six, seven, eight, uh, you know, he did the better, better job. And so moving forward, what I want to get your opinion on, let's talk about the winner, John Ryder. What are his options uh, with this being a WBA title eliminator? Is David Morell a fight that he wants to take? Or should he maybe wait around for Canelo, maybe cash out against one of these other guys? As you mentioned, David Morell is an opportunity out there. This was a WBA title eliminator uh, for the regular title that Morell has. Um, I think it would be a good opportunity for John Ryder. He would have to cross promotional barriers because Morell is with PBC, Um, but he hasn't beaten a guy like Jacobs. He hasn't faced the same opposition. He did have a decorated amateur background. Uh, He got his interim title in the third fight. I believe he was elevated to regular champ before the fifth fight, I believe as part of the WBA's efforts to consolidate all the WBA championships. So um, against Ryder, I think that would be a very interesting fight, Ryder uh, and Morrell. However, he is with Matrim. Eddie Hearn in the post-fight interview with his own platform on Matrim stated that Canelo would like to fight in the United Kingdom and that Ryder would be at the top of that list and it would be a very exciting fight for as long as it lasts. Might even be a little bit of revenge. If you remember on the Canelo versus Jacobs undercard, Bilal Akawi who is a fighter on the Eddie Reynoso stable, was stopped very early by John Ryder. This will be an interesting little uh, storyline to add to that where Eddie Reynoso can get some revenge against John Ryder. But of course, the big story would be that Canelo Alvarez is headed to the UK and John Ryder uh, defeated a former Canelo foe in Daniel Jacobs. Um, looked really good against Callum Smith. A long time ago, fought Billy Joe Saunders. I mean, this would be a really interesting fight and an opportunity uh, for John Ryder. Um, so there is that. There's also Gabe Rosado who is ringside, as you mentioned. Uh, there's also Demetrius Andre. These are all within the realm of possibilities by being a matchroom and his own fighter. If you want to cross promotional barriers, uh, you could face the likes of David Benavides and Caleb Plant. Those are very tough fights as well. But within the realm of his own, you know, dynamic between um, promoter and television platform and Canelo, there are a lot of opportunities for him. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of interesting uh, potential matchups and, you know, directions that Ryder can go. And look at that matchroom. You can thank Gabe. He's already writing the storyline for you. Already promoting <laughs> the fight uh, right. got me got me interested in it. I had forgotten about that. I was like, I think a third round knockout that he knocked out uh, Bilal Akawi in. Yeah, that was a little while ago. But yeah, it's very interesting. And um, 
I think definitely as the global star that he is, Canelo uh, coming in and, and, you know, making a fight like that would be uh, a cool first splash for him, you know, as he kind of continues his global dominance. But let's not forget, he's got potentially some tricky matchups, you know, coming up for himself as well. Dimitri Bivol and, and then Gennady Golovkin for the third time. So let's see what happens with that before we're already uh, coordinating John Ryder, the new <laughs> opponent for, for Canelo. So next week, Saturday, February 19th, we have Jaime Munguia returning to the ring against Demetrius Ballard, not Demetrius Andre. Um, the Mexican middleweight Munguia takes on Ballard, uh, defending his WBO intercontinental middleweight title. That is a mouthful. Um, it's going to be on zone and it's in Tijuana. Um, Gabe, you will be there ringside. Talk to us a little bit about what we can expect from Munguia versus Ballard. This is a homecoming fight for Jaime Munguia, who I consider to be one of the most exciting and marketable fighters in the middleweight division. He's fun to watch. He has a dedicated Mexican crowd behind him, and it's been rather nice seeing him develop as a professional under the guidance of Eric Morales. I think Eric really wants to make Munguia maintain his essence as a crowd-pleasing, uh, volume-punching fighter. In his fights against Camille Zarameta and Gabe Rosado, we still saw a very active puncher in Munguia, but he's made some significant improvements. He uses his jab more. He keeps up, uh, his hands up for more periods of time. He uses his head movement more, and he punches. his punches are more compact and shorter. And I think that this is going to be the kind of fight that leads to bigger ones, fights against Triple G and others in the division. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think a lot of people are expecting for Jaime Munguia uh, to look good in front of his crowd against Demetrius Ballard. Yeah, I think fans have been a little bit impatient, um, and and sometimes it's not fair to Munguia. You think, you know, you're developing a guy, like you said, is very marketable. You got to give him the time because he had a lot of holes in his uh, game, which, to Eric Morales' credit, has tightened things up. Um, like you mentioned, the jab, the defense. I mean, he's looking a lot better um, than he did even just a few fights ago. And so when you start thinking about those bigger names, yeah, those are established guys. Knowing Munguia's style, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, he's action-packed. Um, so... I think he's going to get there, but it may not be, you know, against the Andres and against, you know, Triple G's and stuff like that. Although he says that's his dream fight. Let's just see how he does against uh, Demetrius Ballard first. And, you know, he'll continue to progress. If he gets the victory, then we can maybe start talking about uh, some of these other fights, especially if um, Andre moves up, then that WBO title, you know, is vacant and free. And you got to give credit to Jaime Munguia. In 2018, he was offered to face Triple G. Um, he was very young and still green in his career, and he still said yes to that opportunity. Uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission did not allow him to do that. And he has said in previous interviews that he saw that as a kind of blessing, that things happen for a reason. He was able to take his career into a different direction. He was able to defeat Saddam Ali and become a champion at 154 pounds and slowly develop his career. And so I think he needs to take advantage of that and allow himself to develop, allow himself to listen to his managers, his promoters, and of course, his new trainer, Eric Morales. Right, exactly. And imagine if he takes that fight. I'm, I'm no doubt, we don't we don't know who Jaime Munguia is today. He becomes a footnote of, uh, you know, a knockout in, in the past. And we never get to see him develop. He's a young guy. Like, let's see what he's all about. He's getting better. He's progressing. So, um, you know, let him mold and become the, the fighter that he's going to be. Uh, it should be a good fight, though. Uh, that's uh, February 19th. That's next, next Saturday uh, on DAZN. The other bout we have will be earlier in the day. Uh, actually, ESPN Plus picked it up, and it's in the UK. It's Amir Khan versus Kel Brook. That's a Sky Sports box office uh, boxer card for, for those in the UK. 
uh, for us stateside. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Um, this is a grudge match, which, you know, should have happened 35 years ago. Uh, but, you know, we finally get it. So at least we'll see, you know, what's going to happen. Um, obviously, both fighters now in the twilight of their careers um, potentially could be the last bout, depending on how it plays out for either one of these guys. And so, Gabe, what are you expecting uh, between Khan versus Brooke? Uh, what can we expect from this fight? Uh, this is being marketed as a historic rivalry, a long-awaited battle. But personally, it wasn't a fight I was exactly clamoring for. I'm sure people are going to enjoy it. It's going to be a fun fight simply because both fighters really don't like each other and because they're both very vulnerable. So I think it's going to be exciting for as long as it lasts. And, you know, Amir Khan is entering as a slight underdog. So it's a pretty evenly matched fight. So it should be good. Definitely. And for our box bet pod uh, audience and, and the betting fans, uh, Amir Khan is a plus 150. Kel Brook is a minus 180. So it's teetering along that line of like kind of what Jacobson Ryder was going into uh, their fight. Very close. And I'm sure that line will change a little bit. But uh, Khan is going to be going into this one as the underdog. And so it remains to be seen. Uh, like you said, some of their vulnerabilities. I mean, we know uh, Amir Khan has had issues taking punches. Kel Brook after his surgeries with his eye. It's just these guys um, are not the fighters that they once were. And so I think for that, it just makes it interesting because you never know. One punch could end it uh, for either guy. And so I'll definitely be watching. Um, maybe like you, I wasn't clamoring for it at this point, but it's been made. Uh, let's enjoy it. <laughs> and so that'll be next week. We'll obviously have some uh, talk tracks and recaps and reaction to both of those fights. Uh, for Gabe Brevis, I'm Alex Burgos. Thanks for checking out the RBR Recap.